You're listening to audio from Redemption Church of Houston. We are a people who believe that Jesus has invited everyone into his radically inclusive, world-altering way of love. That means that when we gather on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or in homes throughout the week, you are welcome here. Regardless of your social status, gender, race, sexual orientation, or politics, we want you to fully and actually join, grow, worship, and serve with us. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, Jesus invites you into his radical love just the way you are. And so do we. Well, once again, good morning, Redemption, but a special good morning to you UT fans. Congratulations. I apologize to the rest of the world because y'all were already a little obnoxious and now it's just about to get worse, um, but it'll be fine. <laughs> so everyone likes Jesus, right? right? Most people don't have a problem with Jesus. Most people have a problem with like Jesus's people, but that should strike us as a little bit strange, Because the real Jesus, the historical Jesus, the resurrected Jesus was so likable that it got him killed. The Gospels are filled with stories of people who didn't like Jesus, people who disagreed with Jesus violently because he posed a threat to their way of life. I think it's because Jesus was too meddlesome. I compare this with the likable Jesus. Right, the the Jesus of history, the real Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, seemed to have a pretty insistent way that he thought things should be done. A pretty clear picture of what mattered and what didn't matter. A pretty regularly made demands on people that they weren't all that excited about. Jesus showed up on the scene and redefined the good life for the whole world, and he refused to compromise on what that life was actually really about. You compare this with the likable Jesus of Americana. As Depeche Mode said, it is your own personal Jesus, someone to hear your prayers, someone who cares. If you are old enough, um, then you remember Jesus is my homeboy. The t-shirts that proudly had a stenciled figure of Jesus holding out extended hands and these cartoonish lettered words, Jesus is my homeboy. And they were wildly popular, and you'd see people like, uh, I don't know, Madonna wearing them, and that really ages me now because she's like 80. But the wild popularity of these shirts pointed simultaneously to two trends in American religious culture. The first was that the word Jesus has now officially lost all meaning, that Jesus can be almost whatever you would like Jesus to be. And this is like actually really potently captured in one of the Uh, best critical theological pieces of our time, Talladega Nights. A sentiment comically but quite accurately depicted by Ricky Bobby and Cal Naughton Jr. As Cal Naughton Jr. says, I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt on the front row of a Leonard Skinner concert, and he's hammered drunk, right? 
A Jesus who makes no demands on us or the world, but instead is there for our demands. A tuxedo t-shirt Jesus. A personal Jesus. The second trend being that there's a Jesus out there who actually caters to you, American consumer. This Jesus exists for you, for your augmentation, for your life extended. Jesus becomes an app, a Messiah reduced to a widget. God become product. And I ask, where has this Jesus gotten us? We are perhaps more spiritual and less religious than ever, whatever those words either mean, <laughs> those words even mean. We're wealthier than most human beings throughout the course of human history, more educated, have more stuff, and yet are wildly unsatisfied. We are deeply and profoundly lonely, so much so that in the last five or six years, um, the loneliness crisis has become an epidemic. Right? The, the famous um, anecdote that goes with this, there's a research paper that compares loneliness to smoking 15 packs of cigarettes a day. We are unhappy. Young people are dealing with a deep and profound sense of sadness and hopelessness. One in three teenage girls has confessed to wanting to kill themselves at some point in their lives. One in five have tried. We are miserable. The American dream has let us down. Money, power, success, education, sex, likes, followers, none of it has actually really brought you life. And neither has this American Jesus. Your own personal Jesus has not, after all, heard your prayers, it seems. Jesus, our homeboy, has let us down. And if, I, if I'm honest, it leaves us gasping. Like a fish out of water on the shores, just trying to breathe something in that is not there. There is no life. There's only death. Gasping for life. Gasping for real life, actual life, abundant life. But the real Jesus, the not always so likable Jesus, the Jesus that makes demands of us, who says, no, no, you cannot actually have it all, that maybe you weren't made to have it all, but maybe you were made for something else entirely. What of him? I wonder what he might offer us. Jesus tells us that his yoke is easy and his burden is, is light, and yet somehow we have heard, I have no yoke and I have no burden. So our reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew. And I think it's important for us as modern hearers to understand that Matthew is not writing a history book. And if you come from a certain trend of Christianity, you're gasping now. <gasps> I'm not saying that it's not historical. I'm simply saying that Matthew's point is not to record history. Matthew's point is to proclaim something. And Matthew's proclamation is written in such a way that his account is not about information, but is about invitation. Matthew writes in a way that we each hear the words of Jesus personally. Follow me. Follow me. A call. 
an invitation to the good life, to real life, to actual life, full life, not an easy life, not a self-centered life, not a life where you get to be God and Jesus comes along and helps you reign, but a God-centered life, true humanity, human flourishing. Jesus calls us into redemption, into a way of being that is good and is beautiful and is healing. And Jesus' call is an invitation to live fully human lives. So much of the world is rigged to dehumanize us. We'll spend the next several months actually talking about this idea. So this is our year at the table. We are... um, exploring the idea of what does it mean to actually really have communion with God and communion with one another. And we're using this metaphor and this image of the table. And that metaphor and image is one that we come back to actually quite literally and tangibly week in and week out as at the end of every service, we will embody this invitation of Jesus by coming to Jesus's table and actually really participating in this meal that Jesus has mystically prepared for us week in and week out. And we proclaim in that moment that we need God, and that we're entering a new way of being. So we're going to explore all of that. And so I'll bring up a lot of stuff that we won't go into very deeply today, but we will pick up a lot of these themes later on. But one of the things is that so much of our life is simply dehumanizing. So, so many of you are so dissatisfied with your work and with your employers and with your sense of like calling because your work is dehumanizing work. Your employer is treating you as a number instead of as a person. So much of us are dissatisfied with our relationships because we are dehumanizing the people in it and are ourselves dehumanized in it. Relationships in our modern world have been reduced to a swipe. You're not worth my love. You're not worth my love. You're not worth my love. Am I swiping the right way? Is that the, I don't even know. I may have just accepted several invitations to go on a date. I thankfully avoided the modern digital dating age. Praise Jesus for that. Um, And I have a beautiful wife who's here right there in the front and is now going to murder me for actually pointing her out to everybody. There is actually something humanizing about following Jesus, but here's the catch. It's going to feel upside down. It's going to feel backwards. It's going to sound different. And it should. It should sound upside down. It should sound different. If so much out there is dehumanizing us, then we need something different to actually rehumanize us. And Jesus' call, his invitation to follow me is an invitation to live a more fully human life. And the God revealed in Jesus, if he has anything to say about humanity, it is this, you were made to love and to be loved. You were made to love and to be loved. If you've ever had the privilege of holding a new kid, a new human that has come into the world, whether it's yours or someone else, you'll notice their eyes if they're awake. And their eyes are searching for connection, for safety, for acceptance. 
And so much of what like early childhood development has shown us is like, look, you can do all the, uh, the baby Einstein videos that you want, you screen time or no screen time and all of that. What really ultimately foundationally matters for the formation of human beings is secure love attachment. Are they safe? Are they known? Are they cared for? Are they actually really loved? We are made to love and to be loved. And who doesn't love love, right? Love is wonderful. Love is great. I hope, I think. Love is sometimes really hard. (laughs) Just ask my daughter. She thinks I love her a little too much sometimes. Jesus' invitation is an invitation into relationship. First with God the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit, enfolded and included into the eternal God of love. Jesus says, follow me. But the invitation is also a demand, right? So you'll notice in our reading of Matthew, when Jesus says, follow me, there's, there's actually something that they will have to leave in order to do that. For, for them to go from fishermen to disciple, they have to set down their nets. In one instance, they have to leave their father. They leave their livelihood. They leave their vocation. They leave their sense of self and are enfolded into this person, Jesus. This demand, you are no longer fishermen, you are now disciples. It's an implicit demand, but it is a demand nonetheless. You cannot be both fishermen and disciples. Will you follow me? And if we accept this invitation, if we actually will begin to follow Jesus, we set our nets down and we begin on this new adventure and all of a sudden we look around and we realize that we're not alone, that Jesus' invitation is an invitation into community. To follow him in a community of people is to follow, sorry, to follow Jesus is to follow Jesus into a community of people. And this is a problem because Jesus comes with some baggage. And that baggage, my friends, is you and me. Jesus' friends. See, the really annoying part about the real Jesus is, yeah, he makes some demands on us, but then also he doesn't come alone. Jesus has friends. Jesus isn't alone. And Jesus' friends are a mess. Jesus' friends are hanging out the passenger side of their best friend's ride. This is a millennial sermon today, y'all. And I know this firsthand because I've known some of Jesus' friends. I've been deeply wounded by some of Jesus' friends. I've been unloved by some of Jesus' friends. I've been hurt by Jesus' friends. I've been let down by Jesus' friends. My faith in Jesus has been affected by some of Jesus' friends in a negative way. But can I also confess to you that I am one of Jesus' friends and that I too have hurt? I too have wounded. I too have let down and disappointed that at times I am impatient and anxious and fearful, insecure, self-centered, and bitter. And so often Jesus embodies all that God is up to in the world, and he takes all of these broken and messy people, and he invites them to his table to share a meal, sitting around and communing with God and one another. And this sounds really great. In an ideal world, they're like, yes, that is everything we want 
And this table is a picture of God's kingdom breaking through. But when we show up at Jesus's table, we quickly realize it is messy. It is a table where the sinner and the Pharisee are sat across from one another. Messy, where Jesus associates himself with prostitutes, political sellouts, religious terrorists, and religious abusers. Messy, where Jesus shares a meal with the insiders and the outcasts that they have thrown out. Messy, where Jesus invites the far left and the far right to sit down and commune with one another. Messy. It's a place where Jesus invites those whose grandfathers were slave owners and those whose grandfathers were slaves to the same table, messy. And together, the messy people that we are, we sit down and we share deep communion with God and with one another. And it's messy. Jesus' table is a messy place filled with messy people. And when Jesus invites us to follow him, he shows up with his friends. We, of course, can never confuse the friends with Jesus, but we must always recognize that Jesus insists that if you're going to follow me, you will do it with others. A life of love, a life of communion. And so if you are looking for the perfect church, congratulations, you found it. you're never going to begin to actually really follow Jesus, right? And and I know there are a lot of toxic and harmful and abusive places out there, and so please hear me clearly. I'm not saying, suck it up, buttercup, right? But Jesus' call is always a call into his misfit of followers, and it's going to be messy. There's going to be broken and mischievous ones, self-deluded ones, power-hungry ones, greedy ones, lustful ones, And what are we? Are we the righteous among them? Or do we contribute to the messiness? And Jesus stands at the center of this, of all these broken people, and Jesus says, come and have life. Go and share this life with others. Invite them to this table. So one of the real trappings of American Christianity, evangelical Christianity specifically, is its friendliness towards consumerism. We, we do so much to market ourselves towards people to like come and actually show up and, and buy what we're selling. And we can stand here and we can critique the lights and the stages and the celebrity and the pastors all that we want. Um, but at the end of the day, we are the consumers. We're the ones that have to actually choose to stick to a messy community of people in order to like resist this broken, messy model that we've inherited. And so Jesus challenges our consumerism by simply saying, follow me in a group with others. And if we're being really honest, so often we look for the church that looks and sounds and thinks like us. And that is an amazingly American concept. And we are wondering why the Jesus that we found looks and sounds like us. But Christians, like literally the word means those who follow Jesus are not driven by individual desires, but instead follow Jesus into messy communities 
a cozy church where we talk about all the egregious nature of their sins while downplaying and ignoring the sins that are actually among us is a community that we long to participate in, but one where we, we will not find redemption. We will not find growth. And maybe we will not even find Jesus. Martin Luther King observed that America was never more segregated than on a Sunday morning. And we find this to be the case racially still, but also politically and socioeconomically and theologically, our own personal Jesus. I need you to look like me, sound like me, talk like me, think like me, vote like me in order for me to commune with you. But Jesus invites us to be a people whose center is him. Jesus gathers people on the basis of nothing other than himself. Oh, you're a zealot trying to overthrow the Romans through violence? Come and sit at my table. Oh, you're a tax collector in bed with the Romans trying to make profit off of your uh, own people? Come and sit at my table. Have you met one another? (laughs) And then he washes their feet. Even Judas, the one who sold him out, invites him to commune and insists that the other disciples love Judas the way that Jesus loves Judas. There is no commonality at the table of Jesus at the table other than Jesus. So as consumers, we're going to be really tempted to see Jesus as a means to an end. Tell me why I should follow Jesus. What's in it for me? Where's the life hack here? But a group that gathers based on nothing other than Jesus begins to understand that Jesus is not a means to life. Jesus is not a means to power. Jesus is not a means to love. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the power. Jesus is the love that holds the universe together. And in him and in him alone, we find life and we find life together. And we learn how to live in some kind of messy harmony with one another as we forgive and we wound. And yet we come back to Jesus' table over and over and over. And so what's the message this morning? My message is follow Jesus and also know that when you do, you won't be alone. Following Jesus is communal. In these groups, we will experience formation. In these groups, our hearts will be reminded of Jesus' love for us, Jesus' promises for us, Jesus' hope for the world, Jesus' work in the world. These groups are where we encounter redemption, transformation, life change, They're where we learn to follow Jesus, imitate Jesus, become more like Jesus, become fully human. There's a word for this in the Bible. It's called salvation. And isn't it interesting that salvation in Jesus Christ, despite what we have been told, is a group phenomenon? Can someone do me a favor, check that AC back there, because it has decided to turn itself off once again. Thank you. And we actually need one another. We actually really need one another. 
So when we show up here on a Sunday morning, you're, you're not just showing up to consume something. I'm not that entertaining. We're not fancy. We're very intentionally not fancy. So if you showed up to consume something other than donuts and maybe some beer and chicken, because that's going to happen too, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> but we need each other. Together, as we follow this Jesus, we can know and be known together. Following Jesus is a group phenomenon. We confess together. We repent together. We forgive together. We do good together. And Jesus' community helps us proclaim an embodiment, the resurrection power of Jesus in the world. It is something that we cannot do on our own. And so if we want life, Jesus says, follow me. Like real life, true life, abundant life, follow me. But to do so will mean putting down our nets, leaving our boats, maybe even our fathers, and entering a community of people who've done the same or are trying to do the same. And maybe even having to leave behind our hopes and dreams and aspirations for what we thought a good life was and to follow him anyways into a group of messy misfits, people like me and people like you. So one of the things we're going to do here today, which is a little weird and maybe awkward, so I'm introverted and I hate myself for even doing this, so just know that. Um, so we're doing, we have groups, small groups. They're called hubs. They are many churches, many communities of people who are trying to follow Jesus together. They're not perfect. There's not a perfect one for you. Um, but we want you to find one of those. We can know and be known in this larger group. Yes, absolutely. But being able to be in a small group of 10 to 15 people that you are doing life together with, there's just something about that. Where you're actually known and loved by people who they, they know the real you. Where you can sit across from one another instead of shoulder to shoulder with one another. That's important. And so we're going to try and facilitate that by doing this awkward thing that I came up with called the Hub Speed Dating. It's actually Zach's idea a long time ago that I just stole and didn't really do a well, good job of like, Zach doesn't remember telling me this, so that's okay. Um, <laughs> So if you're looking for the love of your life, you will not find it. It is, I don't know, maybe you will, but you won't find it with speed dating, okay? The whole point of this is we are going to take three or four minutes to get to know the different groups, explore them, hear them, get an excuse to meet them, and have a little bit of small talk with them. That's all this is. I really want to encourage you to be a part of these groups. What we do in these groups is we will meet for about an hour and a half. Some of them meet on Saturday mornings. We're the weirdos that do that. Some of them meet on a Tuesday evening. Um, some are at the church. Some are in people's homes. They're kind of scattered around. Whatever works for you is the one that works for you. And you show up, and there's going to be people there that are like you, and there's going to be people there that are not like you, and we're going to learn from each other, and we're going to struggle together, and we're going to try to walk with Jesus together. We're going to love, and we're going to pray, and we're going to hurt together, and we're going to celebrate together, and we're actually going to try to know and be known by one another. So this is the goal. 
Um, speed dating is just a silly excuse to give you all some free beer and some free chicken and get you to check out some of those groups. And if you don't want beer, that's fine too. We have other things to drink. Um, and if you have a problem with us having beer, let's actually have coffee and talk about that because, yeah, you're probably not here if that's the case, but anyways. So my, my final question to you is this. Do you believe that life is somewhere out there? And I constantly wrestle with this question. And I'm a pastor. Do you believe that life is found somewhere out there that you have to go find it, that you have to go get it, that you have to go achieve it, you have to go earn it, you have to go buy it, whatever? Or is life right here? And some bread and some wine gathered in a community of messy people who are trying to follow this crucified and resurrected savior of the world? Is it here among his friends at his table where he is our delight and our purpose and our focus? Let's pray. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, get coffee with a pastor or visit us on a Sunday, then go to redemptionhou.com. And please know today that you are fully loved and fully accepted just the way you are. We hope to hear from you soon.